Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Well, friends, good morning. We've got some beautiful readings this morning. My goodness, this Easter season, the, the, the readings for the Easter season are just so rich. It's also an interesting puzzle because they come in like a, uh, somewhat of a bizarre order, right? Because the first reading from the Acts of the Apostles is the after effect of um, the, yeah, it's, it's what happened after Pentecost, right? So we're in the Easter season leading up towards Pentecost. You get what I'm saying. It's just kind of powerful and beautiful and, and wonderful. But I want to draw our attention not to the gospel, but to one small part of the first reading. The first reading here, we hear about this man in this first reading named Joseph, who we're told he's a Levite, he's a Cypriot by birth, he's a wealthy man, uh, he's a landowner who sells a piece of his property, right? So he's got a lot of property, he's selling a piece of his property, and he brings the money from the sale, he lays it at the feet of the apostles. None of that's what interests me. What rocked my world and what's been uh, just simmering in my heart since I've been praying with this is that we learn what his nickname is in this reading. We learn what the early church, what the apostles, what the disciples, what they called him. It wasn't uh, Rich Guy Joe. It wasn't Landowner Joe. It wasn't Joey the Levite, Joey the Cypriot. It was Barnabas. Barnabas. That was the nickname they gave him, which we're told is translated to Son of Encouragement. Son of Encouragement. I find that extraordinary. This man's whole personality was distilled into that one word, encouragement. Powerful, so powerful. Which leads me to wonder, like, what must he have been like to earn such a nickname? What must that guy have been? Just think for, just little gut check, little self-reflection, little self-examination, if people were to distill your personality into a single word nickname, what would it be? Son of bitterness, daughter of frustration, uh, like neighbor of grouchiness. Like what would it be? I'm being serious, you know, like this whole man's personality distilled into this word, son of encouragement. Look, there is so much cynicism and criticism in our world. But I'm going to be honest with you. Nowhere have I found it in greater abundance than in the church. It exists in a high degree in the church. Harsh comments, condescending comments, things written in emails to church staff people that would just make your hair stand on end. You wouldn't believe what some people feel is okay to say to church staff people, to priests, to deacons. You wouldn't believe it. Sarcasm, it seems like it just comes too easily to Christians. You know what the word sarcasm actually means? It means to tear the flesh. That's what the word sarcasm means. It means to tear the flesh. Friends, this is not who we're called to be. We are not meant to be this. Jesus, his command to us was to love one another, which, let me just clarify, it does not mean ignore problems. It does not mean pretend that there aren't issues. It doesn't mean don't correct, don't offer fraternal correction, have this sort of Pollyanna personality. Everything's great and wonderful, right? No, that's not what that means. To love is to will the good of the, uh, will to, to will the good of the other as other. It's to speak truth with kindness and charity. 
truth with kindness and charity. When we speak the truth without charity, we're just wielding a battle axe. And charity without truth is just mere sentimentality. They have to go together. We need, I'll just put it this way, we need more Barnabases in our church. Amen? Yeah, we need more Barnabases, especially in our parish. And I just want to put this out for you who, who are the daily mass crowd. You're like the pillar and bulwark in many ways, the, the ten faithful holding up, you know, like in the Old Testament, holding up the world through their prayer. You're the amazing pillars of this parish, and I want to give you some concrete ways, just some concrete ways, three ways to be more Barnabas going forward, okay? Three things, three ways to give more encouragement. Uh, first, to priests. Priests need encouragement, and I'm not saying this because I'm desperate or begging for affirmation. It's, it's this. Every priest you know, whether he's the young, newly ordained guy or the seasoned, salty veteran who's been at this for decades, every priest you know at some point said to the Lord, all right, Jesus, here's my life. I will give it entirely to you. Let it be blessed, broken, and given so that I can be entirely given to them. Every priest you know did that. And priestly ministry is hard. And we're, we're an endangered species these days which means there's less of us and more of you. We're not enough butter being spread over way too much bread, and it's just hard some days, and it's hard in ways that, that you as the faithful just can't fathom, and that's okay, right? Because there's challenges in, marriages, in marriage that I as a celibate will never fully understand. I mean, imagine in marriage if all you ever heard from your spouse were comments of, of Criticism, even well-meaning criticism, but just constant comments of criticism, critique. And you never heard any kind word of encouragement or affirmation. That's not a marriage that's going to last a long time. And we wonder why priests burn out, fizzle up, leave. Like, I'm not saying that you just need to be dropping off letters to Father Joe and I. I'm just saying figure out a way to encourage all the priests you know especially the ones who seem most hardened, most jaded. They need it the most. St. Paul, he said, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Here's the problem with living sacrifices. They often want to crawl off the altar. <laughs> Please encourage priests because, like, we laid our lives down for you. And a lot of days you just want to crawl off the altar. So figure out ways to encourage priests so that they will stay there for you. Second, related to that, seminarians. Like, we have in our diocese a ton of seminarians. Way more than most dioceses. We still don't have enough seminarians. I'll just put it that way. You've heard me preach that before. We don't have enough. Who are the seminarians? They're the first responders on 9-11. They're the ones who are running into a burning building. Like, they're not naive they're not guys who are thinking, man, I'm going to be a priest so that I can be, like a I can be in a position of great authority and power and respectability in the community. No one thinks that anymore. Maybe that was the case decades ago. A guy's going to the seminary. A guy's in the seminary because the Lord has called him there. And he's like, I want to jump on the grenade. And everything in the culture and everything that the enemy has, he's throwing at them to get them to leave 
We have, po there's vocation posters, right? There's a poster with every guy's name, every guy who's in the seminary. Wouldn't it be awesome if you just decided, I'm going to write a card or a letter to every single guy. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to send a little gift to every single guy in the seminary. Valentine's Day, I'm going to send him a card. Hey, your bride, the church, loves you and thanks you and is so excited for you to be a priest. Thank you for your sacrifice. Keep going. It's worth it. Wouldn't it be awesome if John Hawkins, our seminarian, felt bombarded with affirmation and encouragement from his parish? Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be really awesome. 28700 Euclid Avenue, Wycliffe, Ohio, 44092. That's where you can send your checks. <laughs> Finally, last one is this. Be Barnabas for the parents of this parish who are bringing their kids to Mass, especially the little kids, especially the loud and screaming kids, okay? If we are pro-life, we have to be pro-life for the silent babies in the womb. It's easy to be pro-life for them. We have to be pro-life for the screaming babies in the pew if we're going to be consistent, if we're going to be consistent. Many of you, most of you, you have been there as parents yourselves, and maybe it's tempting to think, gosh, when I was a parent with young ones, I would never have tolerated that behavior in church. Okay, fine, maybe that's true. But you know what? That's not going to help the mom or dad who's really struggling with their infant, their toddler right now in church, you telling them, when I was your age, da 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 That's not helpful. What's helpful is your, the kindness in your eyes. To look with kindness, that's helpful. After Mass, to go up and say, hey, I just, like, good job. I know it's hard. It's going to get easier. I've been there. Keep going. Thanks for bringing your kids. I love hearing kids in church. I love it, right? Because here's the reality. If we don't make it easier for parents with young kids, if, they, if we don't make it, them feel comfortable here, guess who's going to be here in 20, 30 years after all of us are long gone? Nobody. Nobody. If we don't invest with kindness and encouragement in the youth of the church, there is going to be no church. We have to be Barnabas for that generation, right? Okay. Oh, I'm going to land it with this. All I know is our church, our parish in particular, we need more Barnabases, Barnabases in it. And let, it just, let us just start with us. Amen.